Hi, this is Flo Jungwirth, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful and Very Wet, British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. I'm Navid Mishinshi. And we've got no Zach this week. He's failed a late fitness test. We thought we might have to pull him off at half time. We've pulled him off before the the show even gets underway. So he'll hopefully be be back next week. So we'll, we've got a few things to talk about. It's going to be a shorter show than, than usual this episode. Basically a show of two parts. We're going to talk Colorado Rapids, Whitecaps in part one. And then I've got our feature interview for the show to bring you in the next part as I sit down with new Whitecaps centre-back, Florian Jungwirth. So we've got a good chat with him just about growing up in Germany, his career so far, and his love of animals and work with rescue dogs. So you don't want to miss that. Stay tuned for that. No football cars to open this week either. I'm sure you're all glad to know. Only nine packs left to go. So we'll, we will stretch this out over the course of the season. Don't worry about that. But we'll just get straight into talking about tonight's game. Colorado Rapids 1, Vancouver Whitecaps 1. It wasn't quite a must-win game, Steve, but it was definitely, with the way that the other results went this week and midweek, a must-not-lose game. And they didn't. They came away with a draw. Vanni Sartini very happy with getting that point after it. How did you feel at the end of that one? Yeah, it was, it was a result they needed, and they kind of got it. Uh, obviously, Colorado carried a little bit more of the play, but... It was exactly how they, the Whitecaps needed to play, considering who they were playing. Uh, so pro- a very professional, very acceptable result. What about you, Naveed? Happy to come away with that with a point? They were out heavily outshot. Possession yeah. wasn't... I mean, it was in Colorado. Not on favor. target, though. No, no. We were better on target, but Colorado created a lot of chances. There was a lot of chances went begging for both teams, to, to be fair. But, I mean, how how are you feeling coming away from that one? I think overall, a good enough result to come away with the one point. I mean, Colorado is always a difficult place to play at, away from home. Um, especially, I mean, the recent form they are at. I mean, yeah, been absolutely great. Um, overall, I think the coaching staff and the whole club, they can be happy with that one point, that's for sure. 
Yeah, I think they're unbeaten in 10 now, and the Whitecaps obviously just that one loss now in, in 11. Mm-hmm. I mean, going into this, even a, a week, two weeks ago, if we were looking at the, the schedule and then the fixtures to come, if you'd said, yeah, we're going to go to Colorado, one of the most informed teams just now throughout MLS, and come away with a point, you would be happy. But as, as the games go by, as the as the weeks go by, the room for error is getting just less and less. And it's not been right. a, a it's not been a good spell of, of results, white caps wise, in the other games. We'll come to some of those later on in this part. But I mean, when you look at the last two white caps games, they were both games that had the chances to win. Do you look at it, Navid, as five points dropped? Or do you look at it as just three points dropped, but one of them made back up against Colorado? I'm not a big fan of looking backwards, usually. Yeah. At this stage, I feel like the season comes down to the next three games. I think we talked about that last show, was it? Yeah. The next three home games. They're massive. They're massive. So I think we'll find out in the next three games what this team is all about, I guess, and where this season is going to end up for us. Yeah, yeah, that was the next three games. They they need at least a minute. I feel they need at least seven points. Yeah, that's yeah, what that, I that's feel. The, that's the bare minimum. Yeah, because the well, six points is the bare minimum, but definitely mm-hmm. seven would be nice, and nine would be fantastic. Um, Wait, just based on who they who their next two opponents after that are. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, when you're playing three teams that's below you in the standings at yeah. this point of the season, that's when you really but, have to get those wins on the board but you got to give them a little bit of leeway because they're playing at home they're going to houston and coming back home that's a long trip for them so you got to give them a little bit of leeway that you know even if they don't get seven points if they get six this might be a thing where we'll talk about it later probably might be a thing where they play the strongest lineups at home and have a road Mm. away away lineup kind of very very possibly and it's like houston is a midweek game so you you've got a factor in the short turnaround as well i mean let's get into this one when the lineup came out, biggest concern for me is Godoy's out again with a foot injury. Yep. Now, Gutierrez is being listed as day-to-day. Eric Godoy is being listed as week-by-week. Week. Now, it's a huge concern. We know what a good player he is. I am totally at the stage now of just saying, look, just cut this guy, let him go. I mean, we've like, paid a transfer fee for him, Steve. So yeah. we, we, yeah. For me, for me, for me, Gutierrez is more important at this point because uh, you got. If you wanted to go four at the back, you still got Youngworth and and Renko, who I think are yeah. acceptable center back pairing. Yeah. So for me, having Gutierrez back is more important because then you could push the homie up the pitch. And uh, not force him to be like in the midfield or whatever. You yeah, we're, de- we're definitely role. missing that that left presence. I mean, at the start of the season, we're talking about the luxury of having Gutierrez and Adnan both mm-hmm. there to terrorize going up the left. Either one is left back, either one is left midfield. And now it's like we've gone weeks with, with neither of them. Obviously, Adnan's moved on. It, it was another kind of strange line up to start the game that got a bit stranger during the game as I think we just have to be 
just have to accept now with, with Vanny Tertini. But the, the lineup for me, Navid, it kind of felt like he was just trying to cram in the pieces that he wanted on the pitch and try and make them in a formation that they wanted. Because having Caicedo and a homie kind of up the left side right. with Gold on the right, whereas Gold's way better on the left or in the middle, it, it, it seemed odd and it didn't suit to homie, I feel. I thought this was one of his worst games because he lacks the, the tracking back defensively yeah. that is needed from, from that position. And we saw it, the, the chance that Barrios crashed off the bar. If Barrios had squared that ball it would have been put away. And that man that was free and wide open was because the homie didn't track him back and didn't do anything. Right. No, I totally agree with, with that homie. I mean, that's obviously not his number one position. Um, I think that's the first time we've seen him play in that position in the 3-4-3 yeah. on the wide left. Um, like you said, tracking back is probably not his uh, biggest strength, I mean, given the way a player he is. But, I mean, looking at, at um, other players that could play on that position. I mean, I'm just looking at the bench. I mean, there that wasn't. Was the probably, I mean, I could only see Jake probably playing on that side, but it would be obviously on the left. That, I mean, the White Cats got a big boost as well, Steve, with Shinyashiki not starting. He started midweek, yeah. so they they rested him tonight. And you saw when he came on how bloody dangerous, how dangerous. he is. Yeah, for sure. If he'd been on for that whole game, I think some of those chances they created might have been put away. And Rubio's still coming back from injury, so he was on the bench as well. So you had two two big pieces there. Yeah, I, I mean, want I want to just quickly sorry, I want to quickly go to the lineup about like just a comment of how confusing you're like just to reiterate what mm. you said. When you look at MLS, their website, and you uh look at you, they have a starting lineup and a final lineup. Mm. And when you click to the final lineup, they're utterly confused because they got Jake Norisky playing as a striker. They've got Lucas Cavallini playing in the middle of the midfield of a middle yeah. of a five. Um, it's just like all over the place. So they're, I think they're just as confused as what we are when we're watching it. I, I, I said this in the, in the post-game radio show. It, it's confusing to us that knows the team and we're watching. So imagine how confusing it must be for the opposition they must be like, I have no idea who we're playing against. How, how do we mark this? Because when when they brought Nerwinski on, I'm thinking, right, how's he fitting in? And it, actually, when they when they brought Kava on and they went with the two strikers, I'm like, so we're, we're having two strikers, Dahomey, Caicedo, Gold? Where is the midfield? What? I, I mean, it became a very wide-open game and there was space everywhere, which was, which was fun to see, but... Yeah, but you don't want to do that in an away game on the road against Colorado, good team in altitude. altitude. Yeah, yeah. So it's not a it's not a wise decision to cut your midfield out. No, because I I mean Vanny spoke a little bit afterwards about how tiring it got, and you saw that. I think the Whitecaps basically just shut up shop in the last 10, 15 minutes. They had that great spell when Kava came on, and the the two striker formation that they went with, it was great. Because Ryan Gold had a couple of options. And Ryan Gold didn't have a great game tonight. But the, yeah. he was the best and the team was the best in that brief spell where we had White and Cavallini on. Because yeah. he had a couple of options to go with. The, the defence didn't really know who to pick up because White had obviously got that, that great goal earlier and you know the danger that Cavallini can be and you know the danger the Colombians can be. And that spell was great. And then as soon as they took White off, it was kind of like, yeah, 
I think we haven't got the, the go-ahead goal. Let's just see the point out. That's how it kind of felt a little bit, Naveed. Yeah. I was going to ask you, did he actually go for the three points like Vanny Saratini at the end? or? I don't I think like, he did yeah. by the end. No, not in this uh, game. No, it seem Not like in this game? Okay. I mean, Colorado was certainly had the best of the first half. And like Barrios crashed one off the bar 14 minutes in. It was a great volley, great shot. Ultimately, it was the wrong decision because, as I said, there was a wide open guy just to his right. If I don't know if he looked up and saw him and thought, I can do this myself, as all good strikers are. And Barrios has been in absolutely amazing form. But that was a huge let off for, for the Whitecaps there. But as, as good a let off as that was, it wasn't really a surprise when they went one down, 28 minutes in, to a set piece. And Colorado's one of the best teams in MLS this year at set pieces. And I know it, they said in the commentary, and they talked about this at halftime on the, on the TSN thing, so you probably won't have seen this, Naveed. Um, but the, Kevin Kilban in the studio gets triggered by zonal marking. As does Steve. Yeah. There's two things wrong with this goal. One is the zonal marking, but also Ranko, not for the first time. His inability to deal with crosses into the box, he seems to just misjudge them or just not be able to get his head to them. Well, yeah, but my, Michael, if he's covering the man that he could be covering, that he doesn't need to judge where the ball is coming because he's right beside him. He the the, that uh, what Danny was it Danny Danny Wayne, Wilson right? yeah Danny Wilson um he wouldn't have been able to get his head on the ball at all mm. so you know that w- makes a huge difference that's why I don't can't in certain situations a certain situation is great zonal marking probably does work and we don't know we we will probably pick it apart when it, it allows a goal we don't know how many goals it prevents we're not able to notice that that's a good I'm point. not able to so it, it could be but. It's so apparent. Like, even if you look at the highlights, if you watch the highlights afterwards, um, the Colorado commentary is going, they look so lost. Right. Because maybe, I, they, I, maybe, maybe yeah. they don't deal with zonal marking, so they, they don't even know what they're doing. So they, they don't know what they're watching. So they're just call, calling Colorado, um, the Whitecaps, so lost in the box. That's mm. true. I was watching with that commentator, and they were just hammering the Caps defense. I love their commentary team, actually, down there. Yeah, they've got a really they're good actually one of the team. best ones out there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But looking at the goal again here, I mean, Bikel even... I mean, yeah, it's Vanko, obviously, but I guess... Yeah, Bikel but, loses Wilson. He yeah. just stands there and he lets him run away. Left. Exactly. It's kind of... He left his zone. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm not allowed to leave my zone. They didn't tell me the, the attacker would. <laughs> But I've poor goal, of course. From yeah, I've, I, it was a poor goal. I, I was like, we've spoken so much on this show about the fight of the team, and when they go a goal behind, their heads don't go down, and it's great to see. And going back to to my team in Scotland, East Fife, we're the complete opposite just now. As soon as we go a goal down, the heads go down, and you're like, well, that's it. They're not getting back into the game. But the Whitecaps have been so different. And I've been singing the praise of the Whitecaps on, on my East Fife podcast. I was concerned at this goal because all the heads went down. And mm. I was like, oh, crap, that's not good body language there. But, I mean, to their credit, they, they did fight back. It was just a horrible goal to to give up. They need to, they need to work on this. I know Vanny really, really likes zonal marking. And... 
Didn't they do I, that on the MBS too, though? Wasn't weren't they doing a zoning too? No, not as much. I don't think. No, there were moments where they were doing zoning. They were, they were doing an open play, which it seems to be happening a lot with Sartini. Mm. Uh, like an open play, there's been goals where it seems like they're doing zonal marking, but definitely in uh, in the set pieces, they were doing a lot of it. I'm just not a fan. I yeah. never have been. I just like. You, you pick the man up, you use your eyes and you see who's making runs. Right. Now, Wilson's got a couple of goals this season and he's very dangerous at set pieces. And it, again, not for the first time this season. There's certain players on teams that you don't want to leave unmarked. And time and time again, we just seem to, to, to do it. But, I mean, they moved on from that. And a, a few minutes later... I see this as quite a, uh, an important turning point in the game. Now, maybe it's just me with my blue and white tinted glasses on, but I feel Galvan should have had a second yellow for clipping the homies' heels. He was already on a yellow card. He got booked early. That was a clear foul to me. It should have been a yellow card, so it should have been a sending off. Now, I will say the referee, I liked how he refed the game. He let so much go, which I like. But that seemed just an automatic yellow card. Um, I feel like the referee would have called that if it was in the second half. Yeah, I think that was like a thing where he probably, I don't know if the referees keep track of this. Maybe David would know more than that. But I feel like if they give him a second yellow card in the 30th minute, putting the you know team down for 60 minutes, I think referees kind of keep take that into account sometimes in the yellow like that again, that, that foul happens in the 60th, 65th, 70th minute. Mm. That's probably a yellow card automatic. Yeah, a lot of refs don't like to send someone off early and they like to give it as a last warning. But that, I mean, that you'll never yeah, know. It, it could have been, it could have been such a big difference maker. Well, Although we don't play well against 10 men. Exactly. That's yeah. what I was just going to say. That might have been actually the, yeah, the coffin for the might not have got the equalizer then. Colorado <laughs> might have shut up shop and actually defended better. But. I, I, let's get to the equaliser. Four minutes before half time, and from hero to zero for Danny Wilson. Terrible giveaway. Now Caicedo, great to to pick that up. I think any forward would have shown that anticipation. You would have hoped, but you still have to do it. So I mean, Caicedo did well. Set up White, lovely, and Brian White showing that he doesn't just score from a couple of yards out. With an absolute beauty in off the bar, and I think that will do wonders for his confidence. For one thing, Navid, but great goal, great anticipation from Caicedo, back in the game from seemingly nowhere. No, I can only echo, echo, echo you. Quality goal, Caicedo, like you said, anticipated and read that really well, and then beautiful through ball, and the finish was quality. And hopefully, we see more of that for from White. I mean, that's the thing is with. Yeah, the thing is with White is that he seems to ha- be able to do that. If he gets the ball in in the box, mm-hmm. he can't create his own shot. But if he if somebody sets him up, he's pretty good. Like you look look at some of his highlights from the Red Bulls. He he finishes on on, on quite a few chances from those areas. It's just that the Whitecaps don't have the players to set him up normally. Like th- this was obviously uh, you know served on a plate for them. Um, uh, but yeah, normally it doesn't happen. That's why White probably. This kind of doesn't fit with him because he needs playmakers. I can't still make up my mind on this guy, though, to be honest. Sometimes he scores goals. 
Yeah, yeah but nowhere at, and then you don't see him for like. But that's the, that's the thing. He's not a starter. Exactly. He's, he's a guy to come off the bench and be a spot starter once in a while. He's not a regular. We wouldn't have seen him this much if Cavallini didn't get hurt. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, he was brought in to be the, the backup, but the starter when Cavallini was away at the Gold Cup. It yeah. is basically what, what he was brought in to be. And then, I mean, let's talk a little bit about that because he's he's given he's given Vanni Sartini something of a headache in that he's actually no. getting the goals. No, no, don't say that. Just because he's getting a few goals, don't put him in the starting lineup. It's not a headache. Cavallini's your starter. No doubt about it. Once he gets going with Gold a little bit, you said yourself that they look the most dangerous when yeah. Gold and Cavallini run the pitch. So but, but it's the give, second give highest scorer now. He's got five <laughs> goals. Because they have no choice. There's nobody else to score. Well, this is what I'll, I'll, I'll put to you both. So something that Vanny said after the game when he was asked about how good they looked when they had the two of them on, he said, yeah, maybe I should have gone with that from the start. And it did. He did seem to hint to Vid that he he liked the two striker setup, and that could be yeah. something that we see going forward. I've no problems with that at all. I do have problems with how you might fit some of the rest of the team in round about that. But if you've got Gold with Cavallini and White ahead of him, or even Cavallini and Dahomey, but I don't know. Dahomey didn't have a great game, so I mean, I think you might have to ride Cavallini and White and see what they can do together with Gold behind in the next game. How would that look like? Would that be like a flat four four two? And then That's what, what you... I don't know. I, I kind of like a four one three two. So you mm. push the. So you you have one guy sitting right in front of your uh, back line, and he's almost like your third center back. If you want to put Rose in there, that's fine. Just plant him in there or Bikel, either one. Did we and play that though? Have... Pass? Did we ever play uh, with that? Four. Well, have they played some of these? So have they played some of these other lineups? Yeah, I was going to say, did, didn't MDS play every single possible lineup last season that you could have gone exactly. for? But yeah, for me, four one three two would be an interesting one. A four four two diamond as well yeah. would kind of work. Yeah, but then you lose your um, your wide. ability to for uh, Casido and uh, Dahomey on the wide areas. So yeah, you lose that. You lose that there. So I don't know. Four one three two might work. I mean, he does like three five. Oh, he likes three at the back. So, I mean, three, five, two could work. Now, the thing is, Javane Brown had a really quiet game. And we didn't really have a lot going for us up the wings. Everything seemed to kind of go more through the middle, which is quite rare for, for the Whitecaps, yeah. considering how good we, we usually are in our wing play. So, I mean, Brown didn't really get into it. So, I mean, if you're wanting to have the two of them up front, with gold just right in behind them, it's like, again, going back to what do you do in the midfield? Because yeah. you do need somebody that's going to be able to track back. And, I mean, Tybert, for all his faults, is a guy that if you if you went with Steve's idea four one three two, he could be the one easily enough and be a, a defensive thing. Bikel didn't have a great game tonight either. Um, I think for me, Bikel would be the guy I'd like in that one. If if you went four one three two, well, if if I if we go with three five two, I would go actually at the back. I would go with, uh, um, oh, I'm blanking on the new guy center back. What's the new guy's name? Youngworth. Oh, Youngworth. Youngworth. Yeah, yeah. Young, Youngworth, Aranko, and Brown at the back three. 
Yeah. And then you put um, he, Brown would be like your Alistair Johnston from uh, the Canadian national team. Because he, right he is a centre back first and foremost. Yeah. He is actually. We've, yeah, we've so. Most folks forgotten that. Oh, yeah. Wow. And then, and then you in your midfield you could put Tiber, Bikel, and then Gold in there. And then you put White, you put Casido and Dahomey, and then you put White and Cavallini up top. And that could be a decent three-five-two if you want to do that. You would put Dahomey and Casido on the wings. On the wings, yeah. I don't That'd know what, that you get. Back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I know you're going to lose a little bit on the yeah. defense, but maybe you can make up for that with, with Bikel and Tiber tracking back. Right. And, and mm. then giving that a little bit more. Uh, they're, they're, they're the ones that cover instead of Tiber and Casido. I, I, I feel we're going to see a lot in the next three games of different formations and lineups, and it's going to be like, what's happening now? I'm going to miss the, the game next Saturday because I'm commentating on UBC. Um, their home opener is on the Friday and then they play on the Saturday as well. So unfortunately, I'm going to miss that live, but I'll, I'll catch up with it when I get home. Now, so it's one all at half time. Second half, I mean, there's not a lot to chat about. It was end to end. It was very open. Both teams got a lot of space. Both teams created chances. There was a lot of good balls into the box and to dangerous areas that just missed outstretched legs or weren't put away or or just whatever when Cava came on it certainly gave the the white caps a spark as we talked about i mean I, I think a draw in the end was a fair result but the white caps were lucky to get away with a draw that chance that acosta missed in the dying the seconds end. of stoppage right. time holy cow a, a while ago this season which seems like an eternity ago now, that would have gone in with the, the late yeah. goals that the Whitecaps were giving up and would have been like, oh, there we go, another collapse in stoppage time. I mean, Max comes up with a save. It was a bad miss by Acosta. He really should have put that away. Oh, we got lucky there, that's for sure. I mean, like you said, any other Whitecaps era, that would have been the goal, I think. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I think overall, a point was a pretty much a fair result. For me, my, my man of the match was actually, I thought Jungwirth had a really good game. And looking at the who scored ratings, they had Veselinovic as being the Whitecaps man of the match, with Price being the overall man of the match for, for Colorado. Gold got a 7.1, White got 7. They're the only guys that, that were over 7 for for the Whitecaps. Jungwirth got 6.9. Brian also got 6.9, although, as I said, I didn't feel that he, he did very much. I mean, who stood out for you, if anyone? It, it wasn't a performance that had lots of standouts. Yeah, no, no, and especially especially with so many changes, too. There's a lot of players that didn't have a chance to stand out. Um, I think you probably give it to... I think giving it to Ranko or Youngworth are probably good, good shout-outs. Um, yeah, but other than that, yeah, you're right. I, even though... Uh, Gold had the highest ranking or one of the higher rankings. I, yeah, I agree with you from earlier that he wasn't, and it was first game in, in altitude too. So uh, he probably true. had to deal with it a little bit that he's not something he's not. How, how high is Scotland or Portugal, actually? I was going to say Scotland. I go, yeah, yeah Scotland not high at all. Um, I th- Portugal, Portugal's at sea level too. Altitude. Yeah, but it's going to have some high bits, but yeah, he's, probably never, he's probably never really played there. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that that's fair enough. The the point is big, and when you look at the standings, and 
Let, let's just have a look at some of the the results from this weekend. It's not been a fantastic set of results f- for the, the Whitecaps. Well, well I, I'll mention the midweek. It was a good result. Colorado did get away with a point and uh, stopped Portland from getting a point in that midweek game that we talked about before. Well, yeah, but they should so have that won that. Up. They were 2-1 yeah, up they and a man up. And then Portland... I know, but to, at least at least they uh, avoided giving three points to them. Yeah, Minnesota lost midweek, so that was good. LAFC yeah. won though, and then Portland got that draw. RSL won. Fantastic game uh, against San Jose. San Jose seemed to love to be involved in high scoring games because they they lost that one four three, and then this weekend they came away f- with a, a big win four uh, three against Austin. But, I mean, this weekend's results, San Jose beating Austin 4-3. San Jose's still sniffing about there, but I don't think they're going to be too, too dangerous, the, the Whitecaps. Minnesota beat the Galaxy 3-0. Now, that could be not bad because the Galaxy are in a horrible vein of form at the moment. So, I mean, yeah, they could you- be about to get sucked back into this. And I would say that if if I would put money on it, I would put money, more money on a lot of the other teams right now around the playoff mark than the Galaxy. Like we weeks ago, we'd had them as a cinch to make the playoffs because of where they're standing, but they're slipping. They're the FC Dallas of this year's summer. They they're really having a bad time of it, and they're they're getting the odd win or the odd point here and there that kind of keeps them there or thereabouts, but. I I said a few weeks ago that they could yeah. potentially get sucked back into it, and it looks like they are. Houston beat Dallas 3-2, which led to Lucci Gonzalez being yeah, relieved of duties as FC Dallas head coach. I'll yeah. come back to that in a sec as well. The massive result for the weekend, well, actually one of two massive results of the weekend, RSL, 1-0 winners against Seattle, the Crylatch unleashed 48 minutes, only goal of the game, and a huge three points for, for RSL that I really didn't think that they would do. Seattle kind of, they bossed possession, but RSL had 16 shots to Seattle's nine, five shots on goal, and kind of deserved that, that victory, but that's a massive win for them. Yeah, that's why, after, especially after this, like we talked about earlier, that... The, these next three games are very important because of the results this weekend. Yeah, and then Portland today came away with a 2-1 win against LAFC. A draw there would have been great, but came away with that, a second-half winner midway through the half. Looking at the standings right now, so you've got Kansas City out in top in 46, Seattle 45, Colorado 44. They're home and dry. They're in the playoffs. That's The Whitecaps aren't catching any of those teams. Yeah. The Galaxy fourth on 38, Split. which it, it feels that they're still pretty secure. They're eight points ahead of the White Caps, but the White Caps have a game in hand in them, so then that gets cut to five. If they keep up their bad run of form that they've been on, they can very easily get sucked back into, into a battle. Um, uh, I don't know. I still think they're probably good. Portland now have moved up to fifth, 37 points, just showing how much that three-point swing last week against the Whitecaps, or I guess a six-point swing, you could say, against the Whitecaps, it's just spurred them on. 
and they've now got like seven points over a three-game spell. Up to fifth, 37, one point off LA in fourth. Top four obviously get to host a home playoff game at some point. Salt Lake, sixth on 36. Minnesota dropping down to seventh on 34 from 24 games played. LAFC, 33 from 25. And then the Whitecaps in ninth, 30 from 24. So the Whitecaps, they're four points back from Minnesota. They've played the same amount of games. Goal difference is pretty much identical. Minnesota do have a couple more wins, which is one of the, the key tiebreakers, though, as well. Whitecaps still have Minnesota to play, which is a, a big, big game for them coming up at, at BC Place later in the season. I mean, it's still all to play for. I think if the Whitecaps had lost today, I was prepared to say, I think that's it. And I know we only got a point, which isn't great, but it, it just feels massive at this stage. Yeah, I wouldn't have called it the same way there. Um, I still think uh, the, a loss wouldn't have been the end of the world, but it would have been it would have gotten them closer to that. Um, for me, that like we always we talked about it for the last few weeks about five through seven being open. At this point, I would say four through seven are open. Only like like I think LA has dropped. So we we were always talking about three spots. I think there's now four spots amongst yeah. uh, seven teams now. The Galaxy so, are windless in six. Yeah, they've got three draws in that, but I mean they're they're winless in six, and they've been giving up goals as well. So exactly, so that's what I'm saying. Like there's more spots now open, kind of. Uh, so I, I could see a few of these teams, and over this next few games, we'll see a lot more. I think these next three games, especially if there's a lot more midweek games, we'll see a lot of uh, moving around and seeing who sits and who who doesn't. But for me, the uh, the FC Dallas, the Houston, and the Austin, the three Texas teams, I, I'm, I'm almost safe to say that unless there's a huge run out of one of them, they're basically out of it at this point. So I, I'd say top the t- top 10 teams right now are in the hunt. Yeah. And I think Austin will take points from teams at home. And I'm, I'm looking yeah. actually at the Galaxy's next lot of fixtures. So they've got Austin away, which is not a, a guaranteed three points. Then they've got Salt Lake away. So that's a tough one. Then it's LAFC at home. Then it's Portland at home. So, I mean, they really, really, if they can't get out of this slump, they're going to be in for a dogfight. And it's not something that Vanny's used to with Toronto. They basically get got the playoffs quite handily over the years. So this is certainly going to test them a, a little bit. But yeah, the next three games with the Whitecaps, absolutely huge. So it's Dallas at home on Saturday. Then away to Houston on the Wednesday. Then they're at home to San Jose you've got to take the six at home. If you can get the win in Houston as well, which is certainly doable, that'll be great. And you touched on it earlier, Steve, you might see different lineups for that. Yeah. You, you might see really, really strong at home and then uh, let's see what we can get, have some good guys to come off the bench potentially down in Houston. How confident are you? I ask this every couple of shows, but how confident are you feeling now? Actually, I mean, I'll go f- further with this now. If we lose next week against Dallas, I say we're out. We're not going to make it. Because yeah, that, I would say yeah. that's, uh, it, it definitely hurts them. But yeah, I would say that's a very good chance to save bad. Because the, the thing is, like we said, the three games, next three games are important. The next two, yeah. they'd be lucky yeah, they'd to get a point out of, of those two combined. Yeah, they'd Kansas, be lucky Kansas City away and Seattle away. I think one of them is Oh, no, home, sorry. Though, Kansas is at home, yeah. yeah. My boy Johnny comes to visit. I've got iron brew and tea cakes for him. 
But yeah, Kansas at home. I mean, Kansas aren't great on the road at times, but yeah. Seattle away, and then they've got Portland as well. So it's three, three tough games coming up after these three. But I mean, these three to me, it just feels absolutely massive. And I mean, even like mean, you said, the Dallas coach is gone, right? Yeah. So Nick, you don't know what they, what kind of bump they're going to get. Yeah, they, they, you always get the new coach bump. Um, one game I wanted to mention, I know um, you. we talked about the West games. Um, if you have a chance to watch the highlights, watch the highlights of Cincinnati and New York uh, on Saturday. Two serious red card fouls by Cincinnati oh. in the last, like, 10 minutes. And basically it got so bad that after that second red card, uh, they never put the ball back in play. They just, uh, I think it was uh, Ted Uncle as the ref. He just called the game. Because they were just jawing at each other constantly, so he, I think it was two minutes later he just. Oh wow! Oh. Yeah, so oh, I'll check well, that. Those yeah, I'll check yeah, that. Yeah, that was And there was those were rough fouls too. <laughs> those last ten minutes. Last thing I want to finish in this part. So we touched there on Dallas have parted ways with Lucy Gonzalez. Obviously, the Whitecaps are looking for a new head coach just now, but they're now certainly. Not the only team that's looking to do that. You've got TFC, interim head coach, looking for a new coach. The Whitecaps are looking for a new coach. You've got RSL. They've got Mastro Eni. He might get the job, but I mean, they're looking for a new coach. Dallas now. I would not be surprised to see Almeida go in San Jose by the end of this season as well. How difficult do you feel this makes it now for the Whitecaps to get a new coach? And should that make it more urgent for them to try and land it now before the end of the season where there's even more MLS teams looking to try and land a head coach? Yeah, I think it's going to be more challenging. I mean, if you have TFC looking for a new coach and if you have a coach looking to get into Canada, I mean, obviously TFC would be the more attractive job, I think, to take. Well, uh, Javinko might be coming back, apparently. Apparently, right? So... um, I think it's not definitely not going to make life easier for Axel to find a new one. New I think it makes it really hard, Steve, to get anyone with MLS experience because out of some of those teams, we are going to be down the pecking order a little bit. Yeah, and I I think the thing is is um, like some of these teams are going to be hiring. You're, the Whitecaps aren't even going to be in the league for them. Like I I know you said TFC. I think TFC is going to go after a big hire. I don't think they're going to go after like right. uh, I don't think Vancouver's looking for that huge name higher that that tfc would um i would actually uh, look at like a guy like the fc dallas coach as possible uh because he's a developer right Right. fc Mm. dallas has always been good at developing players he's a developing player that might be a a nice touch and if you get a a veteran assistant with him that would be a nice combination so maybe something like that might work interesting i there was a name that came to me over the weekend i was watching match of the day highlights last night and the the Norwich coach uh, in the Premier League, Daniel Farka, he is German. He's won two championship titles with Norwich as there's been a yo-yo team going up and down. They've got off to a really bad start. I think it's five straight losses. And although he's done well with them over the years, there's very little room for error in the Premiership. Once you get off to a bad start, teams do tend to pull the trigger a little bit. Just with him being German, basically, and the fact that he's going to be a name that's known to some people over here that that watch the Premier League every weekend, 
I did wonder, I mean, it doesn't look like he's crossed paths with Axel at any point with the clubs that he's been at, but he's he's been in lower Bundesliga, he's worked in development there, he's brought on young guys, he's done it with Norwich in the second tier, winning two championship titles there, he's managed in the Premier League. I don't know if that's somebody that they would make a play for, but I, he ticks a lot of the boxes. Obviously, he's still got a job just now and he could turn things around at Norwich, but I just have a feeling he might be available sooner rather than later. I mean, a coach like that, I mean, in that category, I think that would be a great acquisition for the Whitecaps. Young, yeah. too, at 44. Yeah. Yeah, and he was with Borussia Dortmund, too, as a, as a head coach, so he brought a lot of the young guys through from there. So, I don't know, I just thought I'd throw that as a... Any German guy, basically, I'm going to link with the Whitecaps <laughs> just, just now. <laughs> but talking to Germans, we're going to have a German speaking to us in the next part because it's a feature interview. We're going to sit down with the new Whitecaps German centre-back, Florian Jungwirt. But before we get to that, let's get to this, so this week's song from this month's Artist of the Month here at AFTN. Word SOS from Edinburgh, Scotland. This is a song from 2017. I've played a, a snippet on the, the show before. I'm going to play the full song for you this time. Three and a half minutes. It's one of my favourite songs that, that Word's done. It's featuring Kirsty Innes on vocals as well. This is Word SOS with On The Rocks. Make check. One, two, one, two. Yeah. I don't believe in karma, cause rich cunts can get away with murder. And charity workers themselves is facing hunger. We're run by fuckers, and all them protest don't make a murmur. Just right, can't relate to rappers and all that shit. You wanting money, wanting likes, I'm wanting kids and a faithful wife. Cocaine bars is lazy like looking in the mirror like that's life. But Jiro's gone in one mad night, didn't plan it out. And there go the lights, no lecky. But boss some baby sitting alone, waiting for mates to text you. Fearing the news, fame on the telly. Rage at machines, but do what they tell you. So back on the bevy, when shouting a lot is a silent help me.
try to succeed Then I notice don't know what it means Say the other side, grass is more green Well I guess I'm so far, polluted dreams But when I sleep in my bed A much better life goes round in my head Fall in love, brush with death Then I wake up in words unsaid Still no text, too paranoid to even message my friends I get out of bed, clean up the empties and all that mess I'm on the rocks, so then there's a thought I thought I'd forgot This is my making, I'm no Dean the Chasing And it's never too late to give it all you've got Word SOS there, our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for September. We've got another song to come from him next week, but that one was from 2017. One of my all-time favourite songs from Word, that was On The Rocks. Great song there, great artist. Check out all his stuff on Bandcamp, word.bandcamp.com. Support local music, well, local to me in Edinburgh. But yeah, give, give him a support, and if you like his stuff, check out some more. Now for this part, we're going to keep the Whitecaps chat going, but we're actually going to sit down for our feature interview in this week's show. It's with a, a guy, since he signed, I've been really looking forward to, to having this sit-down chat with him. Florian Jungwert. Asked him how to pronounce his name. It's Jungwert. So we have to try and get that going. I still want to say Jungwert, and I probably still will say Jungwert. But I just wanted to sit down with him. He's a character. If you've seen any of his post-game interviews, if you've seen any of his chats over the years, you know what a character he is. He's a leader on the field as well. He's a leader in the locker room. I've really liked what he's brought to the Whitecaps so far. So I wanted to sit down, take a journey through his career, see what makes him tick, talk about a few things that he likes to do off the pitch as well. So go make your favourite hot beverage, grab your biscuit of choice, sit back and enjoy our chat with Whitecaps centre-back. Flo Jungwert. So thanks for, for joining us to, today, Flo. We, we're just going to have a little chat with you just about like growing up in Germany, your early football career, coming over here, various things like that. But before we get into all of that, You've had just over a month now with the Whitecaps. You've had some time to, to get used to Vancouver. I don't know if anyone warned you about our rainy season that basically runs from now till about April. How have you found life in Vancouver and life with the Whitecaps so far? Um, yeah, brilliant. Uh, I love the life. I, I love the city, the nature around. I, I had a little time to, to explore the city with my wife. We went kayaking. had two trips so far. And enjoyed the last good days of the summer. 
uh, like you mentioned, I get I gotta get used to the rain because uh, yeah, last five years I was pretty spoiled with a lot of sun and a lot of good weather. Um, but all in all, I I like it a lot. I knew before I was coming here, I knew the city what is brilliant. I knew that before, and I studied the club and the team a lot, and I knew it it could fit and my style could fit here and well. And so far, it's it's going good. Uh, let Let's take you way back now. So you're, you were born in Grafelfing, if I've said that right, in Bavaria. When did you discover your love for football? What was it like growing up there, watching football, loving football, playing football? Um, you know, it was just a thing. My, my parents thought it would be good if I do some sports and to interact with, with other kids. And at that time, it was, I think I started with six. So it was like 90, 90, 95, something around that. In my village, so I have nothing to do with grateful thing. Actually, it's just the doctor of my wife uh, had his uh, office there. That's why I was born there. I have nothing to do with that. Yeah, that's. I was born in St Andrews, which is where the golf's from. But I've got nothing to do with St Andrews. That's yeah. just where the hospital was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and basically, at that time, they only had three sports there. It was soccer, it was handball, and it was aerobics. And my father was like, "Well." it's sure it can't be aerobics because he didn't want to see that and then a couple of friends of mine they already played there so i started playing soccer and it was not love at first sight it was i was so bad like the first game i had we lost 24 to nothing and we were so bad and my father asked me after, like i picked up basically flowers while we, we were playing and something like that and my father asked me so many times, do you not want to do something else? Because I don't know, it's it's maybe not the best choice. But I was like, no, I want to play this. I want to play with my friends. So it took a while that I really fell in love with the game and could actually play the game. So did, did you go and watch any teams there? Like, did you grow up supporting any particular team? Well, it changed always a bit. You know, uh, I remember my father's a big 1860 Munich fan. So I hadn't really a choice to support Bayern. Just some secret. I think I had a secret closet where I had like a Bayern jersey or something. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I supported Dortmund as well. I had like a time where I liked Dortmund. I remember 10 years, uh, a friend of my father, he, he was a big Dortmund supporter. He took me to the stadium. We watched Dortmund Schalke, the big derby. And uh, I mean, for a 10-year-old boy, that was a big, big thing. And yeah, I was really supporting them for a long time. And then, Obviously, when I played for 1860, then in the youth, you you go along with that team. Now I gotta say, I'm more I'm more supporting Bayern now, but I think that was okay. That was like the the, the earlier ages of my supporting time. So, did, was there any particular player, like when you were growing up and you started to t- take the game more seriously? Was there any player that you loved, or any that you kind of aspired to be like, or modeled your your game on? Yeah, for me, it was always Fabio Cannavaro from Italy um, because in the youth, I, I used to play as a centre-back. And then when I was like on the verge becoming a pro, you know, like when I was 16, 17, but everyone was like, man, you got to be tall uh, to be a good centre-back. And then the World Cup 2006, obviously, when Cannavaro won the Ballon d'Or and they were champion. Um he was the guy. I was like, see, you don't have to be just tall and big and have a lot of muscles to perform well. No, you just know how to do your job right. And he was always the guy I was, yeah, I was looking for because he was really kind of an idol for me. 
so when did you realise then that you had what it took to, to make it in the pros? Well, I think first time was like in the under 16s. I got my first uh, invitations from the, the national team. And, and obviously then you, you start to realize, man, you're with the best of the country. And I mean, Germany is a good, have great talents. And you saw like you're on the same level than they were. And you were like, man, okay, it, it's, it's getting serious and you can actually make it. But I think the biggest burden to overcome was like basically being a teenager because, I mean, you want to go out, you want to meet with friends, you want to experience some, some girl stuff, you know, and, but and obviously I, I did that, but after a while you felt like it's not working because you can't do both, you know? And it was tough because your friends, they don't understand because for them, you know, when you're 16, 17, they go out, they go to the party of the year uh, where you have 10 a year, but <laughs> that's a different thing. And they didn't understand that you said, no, I can't because I have a game tomorrow or a game in two days. And I was very grateful for my dad because when I did both, he was like, you can't do both you know um it's either you decide to be a regular teenager and you you graduate school and everything which is fine too or you go for it but then you have to put that other stuff aside and just focus obviously on school but uh on soccer and from that day on that speech was so helpful for me and i was straightforward then and then i just yeah went through it and then i was i was very determined to to make it it's, it's interesting hearing you say that because I, I do a show still back in Scotland. So we, we've spoken to a lot of the guys that play for my team back there. It's just, it's just a small team. But so many of them have said similar stuff. And it's like, it's what's wrong with Scottish football. The mindset there is the young guys still want to do both. So they go out drinking and they go out partying and they still think they can play football. But I noticed when I came here, all the young guys coming through, they're a lot more disciplined. And it's interesting to hear you saying that because obviously you think of Germany and you think like quality football nation, one of the best in the world, World Cup winners. And so many guys from here go and try and make it in Germany because you've got all the, the lower Bundesligas and the regional leagues. Mm. What was it like then when you started playing like regularly for, for uh, Munich and making your pro debut, but you're playing in the lower leagues. What what was that like for you? It was tough. I mean, you can't compare with now. I remember my first years of pro, even my first weeks, they treated me like shit. Like I had to clean shoes every day, 30 pairs of shoes from all the vets. They threw the boots like in the mud and everything or peed in and I had to to clean them so it was and even then like I played with some other guys they were like four or five years older they were like just do it because what we had to do a couple of years ago that was way harder and you felt you know you had to earn your respect now it's just it's different you know young people come up they're like right away involved in in the team they can talk and all the stuff which which is good but in my time I wasn't allowed to go in the treatment room even like the the physicians to say what are you doing here you're 18 get out of here you know uh you were not allowed to talk in the locker like basically you had no opinion and you know you just were there and you, you had to work really hard and and earn somehow uh your respect so that was that was really a a tough time but a very uh, valuable time for me because i learned a lot of things i knew nothing is is granted nothing is forgiven like it used to be in use you know because you were always like 
the best player, one of the best players in your teams, and everyone was looking at you. And now no one cared. You know, they were like, okay, you don't perform, you're out. I don't care who you are, you know. So you started from from zero, but it was a tough lesson, but a very good one. Yeah, because I don't know how much of that there there is anymore. I know when they built the, the train facility here in Vancouver, when we got a tour of it, they talked about how they've got the academy guys in and they can see the first team area and that's what they're aspiring to and they're hoping to get that. So they built it with that in mind. Yeah. I, I don't know how that works in modern day football if kids come through. like I, I can't picture like picking like Patrick Metcalf or Baldy as an example of having gone yeah. through all the stuff that you went through. But what do you remember then of your, your first professional game? Like, is it, does it feel like just yesterday or do you feel you've, you've moved on so much since yeah, then? It feels like a different life. I mean, I, I remember a lot of old games or something, but I can't even tell you the feeling of the, the first game I had. I remember I was obviously very excited. I remember I got a lot of messages after the game, but then, yeah, you have to adapt quick and then, you know, you have to get used to everything like big stadiums and tough road games and all that stuff. So, but yeah, like I said, it, it feels like a, a different life uh, compared compared to now. When you were then playing like with Dresden and playing at the higher level, what are the games or the moments that, that stick out most for you during your career in Germany? Well, in Dresden, obviously, uh, I joined them when they were in third division and then we promoted to second. Obviously, that was... Uh, great success and great memories because the fans in Dresden are outstanding. So even in third division, we had like 25,000 a game, you know, and when we promoted, we had like the playoff to, for the promotion we won. And I remember the next day we celebrated with like 50,000 fans on the, the market square. Uh, I mean, that was, there were like memories in Dresden for, for eternity, you know, and obviously the biggest, biggest one was with Darmstadt when we promoted to Bundesliga. I mean, that was obviously my, my biggest success. Yeah, it's, it's something I miss here, promotion, relegation. I'm at my team in Scotland, they're in the third division in Scotland. And for years, they've had a good cup history and all that stuff means so much to me. And you kind of miss that. A, a little bit here when you first came over here then to join San Jose how much did you know about Major League Soccer I, I know you're the kind of guy that you like adventures and new experiences but how much did you actually know about the league actually I think I, I knew quite a bit because the first time I was in touch was 2015 with, with Greg Berhalter so the current national coach of the US team he was the coach back there for the crew and I used to play together with him in, in 1860. So it was my first oh, right. year and it was his uh, last year of his career. So we knew each other. And I remember he called me 2015 and asked if I want to join them. And then I decided to extend my contract in Darmstadt because we, we were close to promote. There was like a couple of weeks, like May before the season end or so. So I, but then that was the first time I was really like, okay, you know, I start studying because I'd love to live in another country when day and i love the us so i was like that would be something and then i studied it and then i was really like you know in 2017 that might be a good year because the league gets more and more professional more and more competitive and i thought that would be a, a good step 
if it if it worked out so fortunately it worked out but still i mean you can study and prepare but there's no way when you come here it's still totally different what you what you could have expected yeah and i guess coming to san jose it's a it's a team that has struggled over the the last couple of seasons what was it like there the last couple of years because with matias almeida he's obviously a legend of the game I don't know, does he speak English to you in the locker room? He never does when he, he does any of the no, post-game he stuff. He doesn't. That, how, that must just have been weird. You know, like, when he arrived, we were all, like, pretty concerned because he had a translator with him, and we we were like, man, that's weird because we, we were like, the translator, he can't transport the emotions and all that stuff. But to be honest, it worked out great because... The translator does a tremendous job first, so he's really, really good with that. And then on the other side, like, for example, before the game and Matthias was speaking, so he had such very motivational speeches. In the end, it didn't even matter if it was in Spanish or you didn't understand understand it, because it was like, in the end, you know, the tone sets the the music and he was so emotional, so you, you were just, like, pumped and hyped before every game. So, like I said, it in the end, it, it didn't really matter. Um, just it always took a while, you know, when we did like video analysis or I had like it was the double time, you know, because he explained it in Spanish, then the translator translated it. So that was a little little tough and long to stay stay focused, but it, it wasn't a problem. Yeah, it's like when we do interviews with some of the white caps guys that don't speak English, and then yeah. you ask them a question and then they give this really long answer and then the translator gives a couple of sentences in english and you're like well he obviously said way more than that and it's yeah yeah so some stuff gets lost i mean i know you really enjoyed your your time down in san jose but when you look back at that now what were your kind of high points of, of your time there i mean my first year obviously everything was new we explored it and i knew the team didn't make the playoffs for uh five or six years and then we ended up making it. it was a great success i think for the club unfortunately we got <laughs> slapped pretty bad from the white caps then um but still was a, a good uh success and we made the us open cup the semi-finals just lost in pks but all it was a great first year and then for me personally 2019 campaign was my my best my best year i had here uh, performed really well. Unfortunately, we didn't make the playoffs in the end, but compared to the 2018 season, we only won four games and played awful. We had a big turnaround. We played attractive football, you know, and uh, we turned it around. And then last year, I think making the playoffs in that difficult year with all the circumstances, with the pandemic and that stuff, it, it was a big relief, you know. And I remember the day, second last game of the year, we beat LFC at home, so we uh, we were locked in in the playoffs and i remember just tears came down uh after the game because i felt so relieved because it was such a tough such a tough year like like for everyone else yeah that five nil game that was we've been kind of on a downhill slide here in vancouver basically yeah. since that that game we're we're putting this out on our show on sunday so it's going to be after the colorado game so we, yeah. we won't chat about that but it's obviously really tough battle just now and it's like every single point is so valuable and obviously we don't know what's going to have happened in the Colorado game but the three games that's coming up after that it's it's San Jose 
it's Houston, it's Dallas. These feel like three games. It's got to be at least seven points, ideally nine, because there's very little room for error, it feels right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, like you said, that's the games you, you got to win. And I mean, we have 11 games left and the table is pretty close. So every every match, every result can can change the story, can change the tale. And, and we got to be ready, but I'm not concerned because last weeks or since i'm here the team is really focused uh the atmosphere is great and i think we've proven in the last games that we have the quality to compete with every opponent and like i said now it's three games left with uh, dallas houston and san jose in this stretch we gotta we need the points out of question but i think there's nothing against that we won't get them uh, last Whitecaps related thing you've, you're obviously enjoying your time here it shows on the pitch you, you've been playing four at the back, three at the back there's been a lot of upheaval since you first came because Mark moved on we've got Vanny here now How does what's the mood of the, the squad like? because it feels really upbeat just now you never know how it's going to go when a coach moves on and obviously I won't get you to comment too much on that because you, you talked about that after after he went but it does feel like the groups kind of got really close and that everyone's just fo- fully focused now on what's to come. Yeah, for sure. I think especially as a vet, you, you have to you have to be there for the team, you know, because I've seen obviously every, almost everything in their business. So it's always sad when someone leaves, but it's part of the business. And I know we were in a good yeah, we were in a good situation because we we won a lot of games. We won a word to uh, skip over the line, so it was really important, like you said, that we hold it together, that we still have a hundred percent focus on the next game. Benny uh, jumped in. We were like, man, from second one, he, there was no doubt he was accepted. We followed his lead, and uh, we hold it together. And then we had a great game against uh, RSL, and obviously that helps. Then you know. If we would have lost the game, maybe then we'd be like, ooh, now it's getting hard because coaching transition, which could be always a little harder, you never know. And then you maybe you start doubting yourself or start doubting like this team spirit, whatever. But yeah, we won the game, we hold it together and you feel like there's a, a really a strong core in this team and whatever situation comes, we we ready for it and we go from there. That's great. Just before we finish going, I, I've wanted to talk to you about this since we, we signed you, because I know you've done stuff with rescue dogs, you're a big animal lover, you were working with a, a rescue in Spain, you're wearing your SeaWorld Sucks <laughs> t-shirt, which I love. I, I've got a rescue dog myself, she's from Mexico, so it's like, why is that so important to you? And just talk a little bit just about your passion for it. Um, well, we... We started that my wife and I in I think like I think it was like 2015, where we came in touch with an animal rescue center in in Spain in Andalusia, and they have their offices in Germany as well. So we started to be in touch with them because it was just started with a dog basically. We saw a dog, uh, sad story. We fell in love and we were like, man, we got to do something. And then. Uh, in one off season in Germany, we flew there to the animal rescue center, helped a little working there and saw how their daily routine is and what they have to do. And then, yeah, when you see there like around a hundred dogs, you know, and they got treated very well there, but then you get, you know, the stories like 
I mean, Spanish people, they, they treat the dogs like shit. I mean, I, I saw things, it's just awful, you know. You have all this uh, killing station where they just kill the dogs. Uh, they glued the asses together of uh, two dogs, for example, that they jo- just don't, you know, get pregnant of another strain dog. So just just awful, you know. And, and we feel like, we felt like, man, these animals, they can't speak for themselves, you know. So they need help and they need protection. So for my wife and I, it was like, that's what we want to do. And since then, uh, yeah, a lot changed there. Uh, the, yeah, the Animal Rescue Center is doing very well. A lot of other pros uh, got involved in that. Uh, very big shout out to them. You know, we did a lot of auctions and whatever it takes. And um, yeah, they're doing well. My wife is still working for them. Uh, running the, the Instagram page, Facebook page, tries to connect animals from Spain to Germany or neighbor countries, you know. So um, it's just our love. I think uh, my wife and I, we have a lot of love to give. Um, and we we decided we want to do that for, for animals. And that's just our our path. That's that's wonderful. Like we, we are the same. It's my dream would be like when I retire, get a big bit of land and have five or six rescue dogs yeah, and that, that i might have to go back to scotland to do that because trying to buy land that's that big here is possibly impossible but no that's that's absolutely wonderful and if you if you want any help or promoting or anything let us know and we'll certainly that's get good. word out for you and stuff as well so pleasure speaking to you today flo really glad that that you're a white cap good luck for the rest of the season pleasure oh. chatting to you thank you Florian Jung worked there, a great chat with him, really, really enjoyed that, and I've I've really liked guys what he's brought to, to the team since he's come in. Great in the game against Colorado, he's a leader on the pitch, he's he's what we need with Godoy being like glass at the moment as well. We we need somebody that we can rely on, and Flo seems to be that guy. But what have you made of his play so far, Navid? Um I think, uh, generally speaking, good acquisition from the club. Um, given the fact that Godoy is very fragile, I think you needed someone else there for that position. So overall, I'm super happy that he's there because, I mean, like I said, I'm kind of uh, disappointed with Godoy, to be honest. Being him being out the whole time is kind of, kind of frustrated, frustrating. I mean, that's the thing I wanted to just chat about a little bit here, Steve. I mean, moving forward, when when I spoke to to MDS before Flo was signed, um, he had told me, look, we're going to bring in a centre-back. It's just really a stopgap for the end of the season because we're going to bring in a piece next season. And by all accounts, that piece is the the Paraguayan centre-back, Alexis Duarte, He's the guy that they've been linked with and there seemed to have been talk about, oh, his club were wanting a lot more than the Whitecaps were wanting to pay, but then it looks like something has maybe been sorted out, but then it's gone all Mm -hmm. quiet. But, I mean, he seems to be the guy that is the the guy that they want to bring in. He's rated the most valuable centre-back in Paraguay. So, I mean, if you're bringing him in, you're bringing him in. If you're paying a couple of million to get him, you're bringing him in as a starter. 
And I would have imagined that the plan then was you bring him in to partner probably Godoy, with Veselinovic being your backup. Where that leaves Jungwirth, I don't know. But the way that he's played so far, I want to keep Flo here. He's young, he's 32, he's still got a lot of good years for a centre-back in him. He's got experience, he can play in a three in the back if they want to go that way, he's good four at the back. I want to keep him around, and if I'm cutting anyone right now, I'm cutting Godoy. Yeah. And also, possibly Ranko, to be honest. Well, I would, I would at this point, uh, like I think I, we mentioned this before. Like I, I think I might have mentioned this to you off air. Um, like, like Godoy right now is not in the cards for next year at this point with his injury uh, bug and everything that he's been. The money, all the small, yeah. the money, yeah, all the small. Sometimes you know, I know you paid a transfer fee, but sometimes you just got to bite it for the sake of the team, and that's you got to take the loss because it's just not helping you having him on the on the roster. I think it's too um, so, risky to 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 have him around as your main guy that you want no, to go with. Exactly. That's why I think that you you go with uh, I think Ranko and the new guy would might be a better option with Youngworth as being your third veteran guy, yeah. and then bring in a couple more younger guys that could possibly uh, um, you know play those you know depth positions or something like that. Well, you've got the Ranko's... Campania brothers as well that you you yeah. already got one of them signed and then one's away out on loan and been at college got, and uh, stuff. You got Gianco Fra- Franchigini too. I can't remember his name for that. Oh, Gianfranco, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you got Jasser him too. Camiri, so... guys. Jasser Camiri. Isn't he coming back? No, Let's hope I don't not. think that's, that's, that's not <laughs> Talking about injury prone. Um, yeah, 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 so I I I think I think I think the I think it's really set up for them to do that stuff like where they 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 can revamp the the midfield and 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 not only like I know you wanted thinking about getting rid of Ranko, but Ranko with a new partner might actually be beneficial for them and kind of raise up his standing so that they can maybe sell him off and get something for him and maybe make up yeah. for Godoy. I don't think you can get rid of Ranko. I don't think you can get rid of both. I think no. you're too close to last week's uh, um, own goal thing. Uh, fiasco. Yeah, that that yeah. is the problem, though. <laughs> that, that, no, it, re- it, it is. It, that really yeah. is the thing. Like, I, I think Godoy's a great player, but I feel we've just got to cut our losses now with him. We've just got to let him go on because we can't take this risk because it's not a guarantee. Mark said to me before that it, it was a big worry. It was getting worrisome for him, the way that this was happening. And it doesn't matter who the coach is, if he's still got this and it's you get him in for a couple of games and then there's something else or it's the same thing that flares up again. We we don't know. Ranko, I want to like because I think he could be a really good centre-back in this league, but he's making these errors and yeah, he is young, but we're not, we don't have the luxury of having a young guy that we can bring on and make these errors because we haven't been scoring goals and we haven't been doing this and Sometimes when he makes an error, it proves to be really, really costly and it, it costs you the points. So maybe I'm being harsh about letting him go. This is where next year you've got this under-23 team back playing in an MLS reserve league and you can get these guys good development minutes and runouts and stuff like that. It's going to be absolutely massive for the club. So yeah, I, I'm, I, I take that back about Rank. I'm probably being a little bit too harsh on him. He is a good player, clearly. He just needs maybe a bit stability. Yes, yeah, stability. 
Yeah, actually stability because this poor lad has been playing with Andy Rose. He's been playing with Godoy. He's been playing with Hubert. He's been playing... Cornelius. Yeah, Cornelius. He's had all these guys and he can't get some stability in the team. And you you do need that. And yeah, maybe maybe he is the guy that, that comes on. I think he played with Kamiri too. Probably. <laughs> and he's played with Baldy as a centre-back who Vanny is still considering. It was mentioned in the broadcast that Baldy as a centre-back is still something that he is considering. And I don't, I, 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 I don't could like possibly it. see it as a three at the back. If you're playing three at the back, sure, maybe. But, but not at, at four no. at the back. I, it's just, I don't know. I mean, we've talked that, that we've got a good core at the club. The, the more I think about it, though, is I do wonder if a new coach is going to want to come in and shake things up a bit, but if he's going to be told, no, this is what you've got, we're not doing another big shake-up. But I do feel we're still a couple of pieces away to be really, really competitive, and some of them are defensive. Now, getting Gutierrez back maybe helps. Gaspar, I don't know. I think, I, I think he's I think he's going to be away as well. Yeah. So then you are looking maybe for another right back, or do you do you go with Brown and Nerwinski and you're happy with that? No, they need to. They need to. They they got parts that can start. They need to fill in the backups. They need to strengthen the backup position, and not even like get better players, but just strengthen with more stability. Um, like I think I like Gutierrez at left back. I like Javine Brown at right back, but I think Jake's needs to move on. Just to give Javain Brown a like a confidence that it's his position now, uh, so they got to do that. And then Bruno Gashford, I think, is too much of a risk if you bring him back for any length of time or buy him or loan him again. Just, I think it's not playing. I don't know. Yeah. I, it doesn't seem like he's in. He's, he seems like he's in the doghouse. Well, no, he, whoever... he's had some injuries as well. No, he's in injuries but... too. But he's he was he's been healthy and he's yeah. not played either. I mean, he has he, he hasn't looked good in some of the games that, yeah. he, that he's come on. But then that's tough as well because yeah. you haven't been playing and you're coming into a game and you're expecting the guy all of a sudden to be fantastic. I'd like a couple of midfield pieces as well. And yeah. I don't know up you're front, get... we need to, to look at that. I mean, we'll obviously look at all this come the end of the season or the end of season show, depending on how the next three games go. The thing is, you're going to get a lot of uh, benefits from just having... The, um, the the whole team together for an off-season training. And yeah. that's where you definitely don't want to have too much of a shake-up because you got a lot of good starting parts and you just need to fill in the gaps here and there. I think center, center of Woodfield, maybe you need one more because you got Kyle coming back from his injury next oh, year. You know, so, I've forgotten yeah. all about Kyle already. So, yeah, so you, 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 you just got to like tweak and twerk a little bit here and there in order to make the lineup and roster as strong as possible for next. Isn't season. Cornelius coming back too, or is he? Isn't no, he he's like 18, 18 months long. So yeah, he, so he I mean, technically he until... could come back in the summer. Mm. Yeah, but well, I no, he was no, he actually was loaned out in like end of this, just before the summer transfers for. So that's a this the whole this year. And oh one yeah, more year be all of next year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some of the other loan guys we could get back. Theo Bears lighting it up. Yeah, yeah. In Scandinavia, so I mean, in Ham Cam, Ham Cam, Ham Cam. Thank you, ma'am. They look like they're going up, and if he's getting the goals, I'm pretty sure they're going to want to keep him there. I'm pretty sure he's going to want to stay there as well. So, 
I mean, good luck to him. But, I mean, these are discussions that we'll have down the line. It does, though, make getting a manager in sooner rather than later very important as well. You don't want to be going into next year and still not having that appointment, which you would hope won't be the case, but you depends. They could be courting somebody that they're waiting to be available or someone else that's weighing up options and maybe we're his second choice or, or something and they're waiting to see what happens. A lot to talk about and we'll be bringing you all of that, of course, over the, the coming weeks and months. That is pretty much it for, for this week's show. But just before we go, regular listeners will know it's Football Violence Awareness Month. And we're, we've only got two more songs to go this month before it's put to, to bed until next year where I've got some more songs to bring you. So this week we're going back to 1982. It's an English band, an English punk band. That won't surprise anyone. They're called Infrariot. This is a song from their album, Still Out of Order. This is Boot Boys. Right there from 1982, Boot Boys celebrating Football Violence Awareness Month. We'll have another one of that in next week's show. But that is it for this week's show. We'll be back soon. Zach will hopefully pass his fitness test and be back. 
just before we go, any final thoughts, anything you've learned this week, guys, and anything that you, you want to plug or where folk can find you, Navid? Uh, people can find me at nmachinchi on Twitter. Um, one thing I've learned this week was uh, I read an article where Arsene Wenger was suggesting to have the World Cup every two years, so I don't know. Yeah, I wanted to talk uh, about that, so... Oh. We'll wait till Zach's back to talk about that because, yeah, yeah FIFA have suggested it and done some studies on it. And right. I got an email because I'm on the FIFA media mailings huh? and saying that from their, from their studies and surveys, the majority of fans around the world would welcome a World <laughs> Cup every two years. And yeah. it's like, I'm sure if you're canvassing folk in like Asia and Africa and the countries where they don't have top cl flight club football and they love international football, the majority are going to be in favour. Germany, the German FAs came out against it and a lot of other European FAs, UEFA's come out against it. Yeah, yeah that, that's a discussion I, I want us to have, but I want to wait until Zach's on the show. I was going to have it this week, mm. but with Zach not being here, we'll, we'll wait to the, the four of us. Right. But yeah, I'm I'm not in favour. What I mean, just initially, what what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I take it I you're not in favour either. Yeah, I, I think it's garbage. Destroys the whole idea, like the whole history. And yeah, I think we'll talk about it more later. Yeah, I think I say do, I just say do a B World Cup where you put all the teams that didn't qualify for the other one in there. Oh, that would be interesting. <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> Scotland would be at a World Cup again. Canada, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Scotland, Canada. Oh, just call fantastic. it. Just call it. Just call it something else. The, uh, maybe the even third world cup. It'll <laughs> <laughs> uh, be the second. It'll be the second world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, anything you learned this week, Steve? Yeah. Whenever you go to Colorado, uh, it's always going to be um, hard and stiff, and you just got to make sure you don't go limp. And that has nothing to do with the name. Of the of the stadium you play. Yeah, I've said before, my wife's favourite stadium. <laughs> and of course, folk can find you on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. Yes. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Give us a like on Instagram at AFTN Soccer. And subscribe, turn on notifications, like all that stuff on our YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash AFTN Canada. We've been getting back out filming VMSL games. We've had some highlights of last weekend up on that as well. Didn't get to any this weekend, sadly. What I learned this week is I need, I really need to pay attention to shipping costs because I get a lot of stuff sent over from the UK. I get a lot of jerseys and kits that I buy. And I was going to unveil this on next week's show because it's due to arrive Monday or Tuesday. But Newport County... Folk will know I've got a soft spot for them and it was great when I got over when the Whitecaps were over in Newport when Robbo was there for pre-season. Oh. Years ago, they brought out a, a kit for the Welsh Cup and the sponsor was friends of the show, Goldie Looking Chain. You know how much I love the, the Goldie Looking Chain boys? So they brought out a special Goldie Looking Chain sponsored kit and it's really hard to get. It's... There's three jerseys at the moment I really, really want to get. One is Newport County Goldie Looking Chain Kit. Another one is Super Furry Animals sponsored Cardiff City for their Welsh Cup. And one of their jerseys was just up on eBay. 
and I got outbid for it. It ended up going for £140. So we're talking about 220 Canadian dollars. Which yeah, I think my, my wife would have killed me if I had actually bought that kit. I was prepared to go to £100, but I, I really couldn't go to more than that. And the other one is Shetland, the Shetland Islands. They've got a kit that had a Viking on it because they were sponsored by a thing and it, it was awesome. So that's the three kits I really want to get. But this year, Goldie Luke and Chain announced that they are sponsoring the third kit for Newport County. And it's a limited edition, so I had to buy it. So I did. Even though the postage was nearly as much as the strip cost... But they shipped it by DHL, so I've just been dinged for $43 in taxes, duties, and fees. So yep. now the postage and the shipping is way more than the kit. I should have got it sent to my friend Lee in Scotland to send to me, but I wanted it quicker. That'll teach me. Yeah, I, get, I, got, I, got, I got dinged a few times because normally I, I do, uh, when I buy my kid uh, his AEW action figures, um, I get them done to the Blaine um thing but i haven't been able to go over so i got them shipped here directly and they ding me for taxes every time even though it's not something that's not even available here so i don't know how you can ding somebody for duty when it's not available in the country you're living in anything that gets sent by dhl i get dinged for and if i got fedex oh if if they tell me that it's one of those companies I, i tend not to order it if it just comes by like royal mail and then through canada post or u.s post there's never any customs fees but I'll have the kit for next week. I'll wear it on next week's show. It's now so, probably my most valuable kit because of how much I've spent for it. So which one is it? Is it a blue one or? No, it's sold out now. So it was worth buying. So you can't even <laughs> find it on the website. It's no, no, kinda... but is it, is, is it the blue one? Because I'm, no, I'm just looking on Google. It, it's, and... it's, it's not even shown. If, if, you, if you Google Newport County third kit, Goldie looking chain, it will come up. It's brown. It's kind of Burberry. Is it like tartan? Like a yeah. Scud- yeah, think, I absolutely. I see MJF here. scarf. Yeah, yeah, no, I see. I see the picture here. It's so also, was, uh, it's a bloody hideous kit as well. Let's yeah, be honest. It is. But it's got GLC stuff on it, so had to. Buy um, it. No, I because I, I saw the other one from like years ago, the one that's gold. Yeah, actually, that's yellow. the one. I, yeah. That's the one I want. It's got like a fake yeah. chain on it and everything. Yeah. I, I've, I've Look, got a search on eBay that if it ever comes up, it'll send me the details of it, but. Anyway, no one wanted to hear about that. I just wanted to say it anyway. But that is it for this week's show. Thank you as always for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, take care, stay safe, and mon the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.
Et...